Welcome to Hindsight is Horrifying, the show where two seemingly fully grown adults look back on television and movies from their childhood and ask the question, how in the hell did our parents <laughs> let us watch this? Yeah. I'm Jason Mitchell. I'm here with my co-host, Darth Jader. Say hello. Hello, listeners. And today on Season 1, Episode 1, our premiere show, we're going to be taking a look at one of the classic Nickelodeon-era cartoons, uh, Rocco's Modern Life, which I, I can hear people cheering outside the window. <sighs> there's, there, there's a huge amount of nostalgia around this show. Um, here's the thing, though. I am an old man. I, I am almost 40, and so Rocco was sort of right at the point where I was kind of more watching, you know, Hercules and Xena um, than, than uh, you know, Nickelodeon. So I'm going to hand it over to my host, a uh, co-host, and let her tell us a little bit more about this gym from, when did it, it premiered, what, 90... One? I'd honestly have to look it up, but uh, I just have the summation here. But it was definitely in the 90s, for yeah, it's sure. A nine, yeah, definitely a 90s show, yeah. Absolutely. And we've actually got it playing in the uh, in the studio, uh, which uh, at some point we are going to, uh, uh, for those of you who decided to support us on Patreon, uh, we are going to let people take a glimpse into the studio and watch what we are watching uh, sort of along with us. And appreciate our twisted commentary on all of these wonderful programs that we remember from our childhoods. Yes. And if you've never seen it, go get drunk, watch a few episodes, stay drunk, and then come back and listen to this show. Yes, the animation will make you, make you much less sick that way. Yeah. But um, before we get into the summation of Rocco, we are actually enjoying uh, some delightful beers from a local brewery called Variant Brewing in Roswell. I'm drinking a raspberry lemon goza, and Jason, what do you have over there? I have the uh, Norcross Street IPA, and, and I learned today of the existence of the Crowler. <laughs> I didn't know what a I, I knew what a Growler was, but this this is an absurdly huge can. I feel like as though a small child was drinking seven point three percent alcohol beer yeah it's roughly the size of a small child so maybe that's where that came from but uh yeah there is a growler which is the larger glass jug that you can put beer into but a crowler is a can so that's where the c comes in and you learn something today yeah and so this is uh it's from roswell right yes uh it's in uh smack in the middle of downtown roswell actually across from canton street right next to roswell city hall if you have a chance to go there i highly recommend it my friend's uh the Curlings actually started this business, and they uh, have been going like gangbusters. So if you enjoy very clever beer flavors, that is the place to be. All right. But uh, to get into the Rocco's episodes, um, the Google summation of Rocco's Modern Life is pretty, you know, cut and dry. It says, Rocco is a wallaby who has moved from his native Australia to the United States but life in the United States isn't as idyllic as he had hoped it would be, for he is surrounded by annoying neighbors, tons of laundry, and life's issues in general. By Rocco's side, to help him over the obstacles and through the challenges life throws at him are his best friend Heifer, a dim-witted bovine, his canine companion Spunky, and his neurotic buddy Filbert. So on this particular episode, uh, we actually looked at the first and last episodes of the first season of Rocco's Modern Life, and part of what drew us to these particular episodes of the show were the blatantly adult humor titles for the episode. For instance, the first segment of the first episode, because as many as you, many of you know, but some of you might not, is the the fact that Rocco is actually split into two episodes per showing. So you get two different stories in the same showing of an episode technically and the fir very first story in the first episode is called carnival knowledge slash sand in your navel which are just delightful delightfully yeah, inappropriate it, it is it is amazing that nickelodeon you know a, a, you know they had such a um family friendly image oh yeah and it's very very interesting that they greenlit a show where the first story is called carnival knowledge you know, uh, I mean, I understand this was at the point when Nickelodeon was 
trying to get more of a mature audience. Yeah, and that's where the, like we started seeing the issue of the or not issue rather, but the ushering in of the SpongeBob era and yeah. a, a little more dicey entertainment, but it's it's funny because I found out a long time ago due to Clerks the animated series that a lot of times the network pushback is very specific. Uh, they have specific guidelines about, you know, language that you can use uh, specific words, uh, whatever the case may be, but sometimes things slip past the network. Um, there was a joke, for instance, on Clerk the Animated Series where Randall's pulling apart a magazine and the pages are stuck together and the network never caught on to it, so it aired on primetime television when it probably shouldn't have, but you never know what's going to get accepted and what isn't, honestly. Well, and, and you know, I wonder with this if the studio or if the network you know, what level of oversight were they, were they giving while they were producing the show, you know? Um, right. Cause they tend to be more strict on some shows and not on yeah. others, depending on the time slot. And yeah. if it's, if it's a Saturday morning cartoon, sort of a situation where they're pretty sure the parents aren't going to be paying attention while their children are watching this show, they may have just assumed, Oh, it's a bunch of dumb kids. All this will just go over their heads, which I won't lie. Uh, you know, I didn't catch up on a lot of this humor until I was older and rewatched the series. So no, I mean a joke like that. You know, carnival knowledge. There, you know, there there is no way a kid um, is is going to catch that joke unless it's a kid with a very unfortunate upbringing. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're going to take it literally unless very much abused. Right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, and and like I said, I mean Nickelodeon. You know, they were going for. Um, what would eventually become sort of the Adult Swim audience. Right. You know, which Adult Swim's genius was this idea that, you know, parents would have a kid who wouldn't go to sleep, and so it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're watching cartoons with their kid to get them to go to sleep. Why oh, yeah. not make it something that the parents like, too? That's how I discovered Space Ghost Coast to Coast, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Aqua Teens, Space Ghost, none of which was, Lab. Yeah, none of which was intended for children, no, but it no. was just hoping that the children, yeah. like you said, would either knock out or yeah. whatever would happen, but... Yeah, with uh, this first episode, to give you guys a little bit of a synopsis, Rocco and Heifer actually venture to a local carnival, which, you know, in a very adult kind of way, there are different scenarios that they go through and uh, situations like, uh, for instance, the entire concept of the carnival itself is a complete ripoff. All of the games are gypped and... um, The rides are incredibly dangerous. They actually go on a log flume that... Seems like an actual sawmill. I mean, the ride is called the sawmill, so I guess we should have known going in that it was going to be incredibly dangerous. But Rocco and Heifer actually almost die when a saw blade tries to cut their little log flume in half. So, well, and it's 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 um, it's interesting watching this, you know, as an adult because there's so many things in in this particular episode and and in all of them that are just so obvious, like the fact that obviously. Rocco and Heifer are lovers. I mean, to me, that's just obvious. Really? I, I don't get that vibe <laughs> at all, so I, I want to hear the logic behind that one. There isn't. It's just, well, I mean, Rocco, he's he's obviously the the butch one, you know, and Heifer is sort of the overweight effeminate, uh, you know. Which is interesting because in every other aspect, yeah, Rocco is in charge of their relationship. Oh, yeah, for he's sure. absolutely in charge. He's yeah. the logical, sane, adult one. But in every other aspect of Rocco's life, he's stepped on and just yeah. the obedient one in every other situation. And, and I think it's clear that both of them probably, I think most of Heifer's previous boyfriends have been <laughs> probably abusive. I yeah. think there's been some abuse. It's very in the possible. Past. You know, and he I, does have a very aggressive family, as we come to find in later yeah, episodes, because I, he was a bovine who was raised by wolves. So. See, that is exactly the sort of thing that is, you know, I mean, it's going to lead to relationship issues. And, you know, I, I just think it, it is heartwarming to see that they've come together. And, you know, of course, back then they couldn't get married uh, or <laughs> or I don't think they could adopt him. 91 but uh you know so it's a very progressive show oh you know in so many ways wow from that perspective it's light years ahead of its time i yeah, never even know. would have considered that i mean along with you know rocco's obvious abuse of hardcore drugs oh um i just the animation alone shows you that the animators themselves were abusing yeah. some sort of substance well these guys went on to do uh not 
all of them, but the co-creator and a lot of the other ones did SpongeBob, right? Uh, to my knowledge, yes. Yeah, which is the most tripped out, just messed up show. Yeah, in, SpongeBob in is surprisingly metal for a cartoon. Oh, you yeah. you wouldn't expect it out yeah. of a little friendly sponge, but. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we're actually watching the video, as Jason mentioned, and one of the most hilarious bits that's kind of an ongoing thing on the show is the Beaver AMTs. So uh, Rocco was actually just on a little go-kart in the bumper cars, and he crashed. Well, he got crashed into by every other bumper car in the in the track, and they just smash him to pieces. And the car is destroyed as well. And Which so the, is similar to what's happened to him in his previous relationships. Uh, well, I thought that was Heifer, not Rocco. Oh, that was Rocco? Yeah, oh, Rocco sorry, was the sorry, one who got sorry, hit by the sorry. car. But they all smash into him, and then he and the car are both severely damaged. And the Beaver EMTs come out with their hop, 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 and they come out with a little gurney. And instead of attending to Rocco, who's literally been flattened on the ground, they pick up the bumper car and take it away on the gurney. Right. So that's something that actually recurs in multiple episodes where they keep rescuing the wrong thing. Which is which is probably also clearly showing his very, you know, unsatisfactory relationship with beavers. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it got so real so quickly. But um, what? The, the, you know, beavers and wallabies wouldn't get along. Well, it's really funny because in uh, the I second don't... episode, they uh, Heifer's adopted grandfather does mistake Rocco. He doesn't figure out that Rocco's a wallaby. He keeps calling him a beaver. And at one point, the the grandfather officially announces because they throw some dead deer or moose on the table for all of them to eat it. But uh, the grandpa gets frustrated with Rocco, and he's like, "I say we eat the beavers." So it's just just hidden gems all see, over the place see, with this it's show. All, it's it's all trying to tell a story, a deep <laughs> deep story. And then this this great bit right now because Rocco. He finally achieves something. The whole episode is literally about the carnival ripping him off and ripping him off and the dangerous rides. Like, there's even an elevator that's called the Elevator to Hell. And when it comes back up from hell, the devil himself tries to sneak out and the carny is like, Ah, you get back in there! Get back in there! But uh, Rocco, toward the end of the episode, actually finally wins one of the games, which are all clearly rigged. And as they're leaving, uh, he gets a prize and... Everybody at the carnival actually stops, and they they all gasp, and one of them literally says, it's a miracle, somebody won one of the games, and then the big grand prize that he gets for finally winning a game is a Chinese finger trap. (laughs) So so he leaves with bondage equipment. Oh, no. It's restrained, you see. So it's, it's very, you know... Uh, it's there's there's a lot of layers here yeah they're working a a lot of blue on this show for sure (laughs) yeah well you know in the elevator to hell that's obviously a reference to Rocco's family being you know fundamentalist Christians and not agreeing with his lifestyle 100% that's why they you never see his relatives they abandon him yeah what is the story is it is it ever because I don't know um like Rocco's life I don't really recall ever seeing Rocco's family members. That being said, we've really only focused on the first and last episodes as of right now. But the intro speaks volumes because part of the intro is uh, when they start singing Rocco's Modern Life. The first thing that happens is this mother wallaby hops to the forefront of the screen and literally dumps Rocco out on the floor and then just hops away. That's deep. (laughs) So she abandons him right out of the starting gate. This is like a Werner Herzog thing, you know? Rocco, who has been abandoned by his mother, forced to move to a land he does not know. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that he is unaccepted. He's a foreign visitor in a foreign land, but he's got his he's got his little world going on with his dog, Spunky, whose name in and of itself is just wildly inappropriate. So again, though, we see this trend in cartoons where a wallaby has a pet dog. Well, I mean, Mickey Mouse started that trend by having a pet dog. Well, so. it, yeah, and it, it, it just as with Mickey, it begs the question, is Rocco a super intelligent wallaby or is his dog mentally retarded? You've got to wonder because we're actually, uh, the video has actually reached the second part of the first episode where Rocco goes to the beach uh, entitled Sand in Your Navel. And right now Rocco's looking for parking, but Ooh, one of the behave. <laughs> where one of the concepts is uh, he does Rocco does take his dog Spunky to the beach with him, and at a certain point in the episode, you you see them trying to play fetch, but also on the beach there's a shark with a pet dog, 
and it throw the shark throws a stick for the dog and then the dog brings back a severed human leg and the shark is just like good boy that's a good boy and so, so once again we see the symbolism <laughs> the dog hunting the man and there's no humans right not that i'm aware of it's so mostly just the, animals where, where did the human leg come from you well, got, you don't you know that it was a human you... leg. It could have been a monkey's leg, technically, but it does look like a human leg, so I'm not I, I'm not honestly sure, I Maybe guess. this is a world where man has been hunted to extinction. By all the animals by who the finally animals. rose up against us. Yeah, and except for the obviously retarded dogs. <laughs> well, you get you get a certain wasteoid wasteland experience anyway, just especially from the beach episode where Rocco sees a beach on a postcard that's beautiful and pristine and then he shows up and it's like a sewage plant and it so maybe just the nuclear waste killed all the humans and then turned yeah. the animals humanoid yeah. who knows and the only things that didn't evolve were the dogs that, that's always been my experience with beaches not the <laughs> not the nuclear part but i just i hate the beach i hate it i well, despise the beach yeah it's specific beaches because everybody wants to go to panama city or everybody wants to go to destin and everyone and their mom is already there so it's yeah. just so crowded there's also sand which I hate. You don't like having sand in your navel, Jason? No. Oh. No. 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 <laughs> no. Oh, and here's a wildly inappropriate moment that we're ro- rolling up on right now is uh, Rocco actually, uh, he gets approached by this large hippopotamus lady. Elderly. Yeah, she seems a little elderly, and she asks him to butter her back, uh, <laughs> which I'm not. I'm just gonna leave that alone. But what? And she's so enormous that Rocco has to climb up on top of her head, and then he slides uh, in between her cleavage. She screams at him and pelts him into the ocean, and he comes back with a buoy sticking out of his trunks. At which point, a walrus approaches Rocco, and he goes, "Excuse me, my dear boy, you have a buoy in your pants," and yeah. it's just. Reminds inappropriate me, after inappropriate reminds me of ninth grade oh goodness well, that's when this came out it's because i watched it in ninth grade oh okay i thought you had some really uh well, that was indecent the... tale to tell us no, <laughs> regarding no. a buoy in your pants no no i mean that was the year that i i i you know slept with that teacher but other than that oh right you, know. you were the kid in the news that year yeah. that's no we didn't <laughs> have those teachers when i was a kid Oh, we did. They just, you know, there was no social media, so it wasn't as easily accessible. All these horrifying stories that we see now. In, in, you see, how long was I in school? Uh, I I think I stopped being a student whenever I was like 25. So in, you know, 20 years of being in school, I think there were two teachers, tops, that were, you know. A little iffy. Yeah, you know, they were on that in, in, in the area, but uh, no, yeah, we didn't have them. Well, that's uh, good. You don't want that to be a, a rampant problem. You, you don't want it to be a problem at all, but you definitely don't want it to be a rampant one. What's the one. problem? I mean, you know, if I had a daughter, I'd feel totally different, but, you know, having a son and seeing the pictures of some of these teachers. Sorry, are we off topic? This that's is sexist. Beer. <laughs> I'm really this glad you like it. Beer. Once again, Variant Brewing, my friends. And Check it I, out. And if I get pulled over, I only had one. And they only had one giant <laughs> can of beer. I only had one beer. <laughs> Technically, it was one. But, uh, oh, we just missed the part where the shark's dog brings back the human leg. And now uh, Rocco's thrown a stick for Spunky, who the stick lands in the ocean. And Spunky gets swallowed by a giant fish. And Rocco so, jumps on it to get the fish to spit Spunky out onto the sand. So the purple fish ended up spitting out Spunky. Yes, that's exactly what happened i mean i'm just describing what's happening no that's oh and now again we see the recurring joke of the beavers because uh clearly the fish is incapacitated and spunky uh rocco's giving him the heimlich but then the beavers come out rescue the fish and put it on a gurney but then throw it on a grill and cover it with lemon juice (laughs) so the the beavers are only interested in the purple fish the purple fish (laughs) and incapacitated cars they seem really uh into incapacitated things and someone's about to get crabs well, oh, just, yeah. No, just one crab. Uh, yeah, the crab chases Spunky out of the ocean to the crab shack, and then it says something like, oh, my people, because it sees that its fellow crabs are being sold after they're dead, so it runs back into the water. Now, that's social commentary. A little you know, bit. Obviously talking about the war in Iraq. No, wait, it hadn't happened yet. No, it wasn't. They're not I talking about, about that. I was about to say, this was far previous <laughs> no, to that. So no, I'm not the, sure where you're getting that. The, the, the Falklands War then. 
Or what else was going on at the time? Oh, God. And this brilliant joke right here. Uh, Rocco's dog, Spunky, has been swallowed by a pelican. And the pelican actually has a local racket where it's selling the fish that it catches to a fishmonger. So it's not eating. It's because uh, Rocco's like, look, Spunky, the majestic pelican, as he feeds his children with the fish. And no, he's he's got a fishing racket. <laughs> but the uh, the pelican steals Spunky since he's a small dog. And Rocco is chasing after them to go rescue his dog and meanwhile there's this tiny monkey building a sandcastle on the beach and you are led to believe that Rocco's gonna like stomp all over the sandcastle but he doesn't then the monkey proceeds to take the sand put it between two pieces of bread and eat it because it's now a sandwich and it's just that I wouldn't I never got that as a kid but watching this yeah. some of the jokes that they sneak in are wildly inappropriate but others are just plain dad jokes. Yeah, yeah I was about to say this is where <laughs> this is where dad jokes come from. Oh yes. Yeah, you know. I mean it, it it's from watching shows like this that dads learn how to make dad jokes. Absolutely. You know. Yeah, cuz it just uh they obviously this uh this is what the uh, hit BBC show Detectorists was based on. Oh, the um, metal detecting yeah, bear the metal detecting <laughs> on bear. the beach. And yeah. he finds a, a wallaby and then runs away in horror for some reason. Because I don't see what's so scary about Rocco. But... Are wall- wallabies, are they marsupials? Yes. They are marsupials. Okay. Yeah, because like I said in the beginning of the show, Rocco's mother has him in her pouch and then she yeah. just splats him on the ground and leaves, yeah. him for, leaves him for dead or whatever. But uh, yeah, Rocco loses track of his uh, loses track of his dog, and now he's crying because he can't find Spunky. She was probably a drug addict. It's very possible. I mean, yeah, that would explain the the tooth deformity that Rocco has. <laughs> yeah, Rocco's you got know? teeth sticking out of the side yeah, of his face. I mean, that... Well, she is from Australia. That's where all the criminals oh, were sent oh, originally. So oh, you never know. <laughs> slam on Australia out of nowhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've been talking about meth that's addiction. That's it. There goes our Australian audience. We didn't have one. Good eye, mate. It was nice knowing you. But now we have a dogfish joke which is great because Rocco does find spunky at the fishmongers blocked in ice and uh the fishmonger won't let him have him unless he pays for him and he said i paid good money for that dog fish and it's just another great dad joke that happens in this episode what does he have oh god oh yeah toward the end of the episode um they're either sand fleas or mosquitoes but uh, because spunky does get closed up in a block of ice and the whole reason why they went to the beach in the first place was because it's sweltering hot outside and they want to get cool but then uh rocco winds up uh completely sunburned and spunky's nice and cool because he's in the block of ice but rocco says well spunky it's better than me completely sunburned and he's got mosquitoes grilling burgers on his stomach you know it's interesting too just watching the uh you know the episode flipped over to the, to the next episode and in the intro it's a very deliberate choice to have Rocco being beaten up by an anthropomorphic clock actually yeah i made a note about that because that, that is very specific oh yeah it's just time completely completely Rocky, just Rocco, beats him down yeah Rocco is dying i think that's what uh i think that you know he's battling he knows. His own ex- existentialism. He, yeah, he's having his own <laughs> existential crisis, you know, because he knows. And, and my God, who is going to take care of his retarded boyfriend? <laughs> and his retarded dog, as you said. Right. Because apparently everyone is, has some sort of mental deficit around Rocco. So maybe that's maybe that's his personal power trip where he's trying to keep you know people what? with mental deficits. I think you're exactly that right. That he has to take care of. Yeah, that's exactly right. Rocco craves being the hero and the, and the caregiver. Oh, God. But he knows that he's utterly incompetent. He can barely manage his own life. So well, he, if he really is the child of a meth addict, as you were implying, yeah. <laughs> it's or very whatever, possible. Whatever, whatever drug substance. Australians were taking in the 90s, which was probably meth. Foster's beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with... Mm. It's very Australian. This is very good beer. Um, no, but I think I think that Rocco, as, as a character... Um, it, it, there, there are a lot of interesting choices that the creators made. First of all, making him, you know, a wallaby, making him Australian. It, that's, I'd love to know what the thought process was behind, you know, the whole show. You know, did they, did they sit around and just think, well, we want a little cute fuzzy animal 
who you know is the the sort of classic life is uh, against him sort of character or you know what was you know what were they thinking whether there was some symbolism involved in the choice or yeah you know i mean yeah especially seeing as this leads up to the whole spongebob era where frankly i just don't care because i hate spongebob (laughs) Uh, i I hate it and we just lost our spongebob uh good crew so bye guys (laughs) But I don't know. I think there's kind of a relationship there as far as what you're talking about with SpongeBob versus, you know, Rock of the Wallaby. They're both very unalarming animals and objects. Like a sponge is not something that you ever consider anything but completely harmless. It's just something that you use to clean. So it's like it's kind of funny that they've turned a sponge into such an an upbeat, happy character. Yeah. But I mean. a wallaby is also very, you know, not alarming animal. Like well, yeah, kangaroos, it, they can yeah, they can put can, a beating yeah. on you. But, oh yeah, a kangaroo can take care of itself. Yeah, know. but wallabies, they're just kind of the cute, cuddly version. So yeah. it might speak to how they're just they're very common, kind of the everyman struggling against the everyday. That might w- be what it is. I would have picked a monotreme, but you know, not everyone knows more. I was about to say, I'm not even sure yeah. what that is, Jason. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it does actually sort of make sense because, you know, a marsupial or a wallaby, uh, even a full grown, you know, healthy wallaby is as unthreatening an animal as you're ever likely to find. So it is sort of a perfect everyman kind of character. And I feel like they're fairly common in Australia, too. So it might just that might be another part of the thought process. I guess we'll never know. And Heifer, so Heifer's story is that he was raised by wolves. Yes, so that's part, I think that's partly why Heifer is so all over the place, because he was obviously raised by animals that are... Psychopathic wolves, too. Not just wolves. Let's be fair. Yeah, uh, well, what's really hysterical is that they, they are a family of wolves, and Heifer's mom's name is Virginia. So you get some good literary references along with the general insanity of is this show. Is he afraid of her? That's the question. Because you'd have to read his play. Does he? Does she know his dark secret? You know, does she refer to Rocco as his friend? You see, that's the question. Well, the grandpa does refer to Rocco as the Beaver, so that might be about as close as we're going to get as far as that's concerned. Yeah, I guess that that might be a clue to the whole pitcher versus catcher question. Yeah, we're we're really not sure who's the dominant (laughs) being in that relationship. We'll have a a poll. Oh goodness. Who's the pitcher? Who's the catcher? <laughs> I think it will depend on a lot of different factors, given the fact that this is... We're, and we're, it, this is obviously a snuff film, uh, this segment. Oh, we're on a different episode. I was now. about to say that's a totally you, different oh, sorry, episode. Sorry, no, no. Yeah, we're referring to something you, you're, you're not saying. Yeah. Um, so we well, might want to... Yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, looking back on it, and the show wasn't without some controversy. Um, when it premiered, there were a lot of parents and parents groups, things like that, who did have a problem with it. Mm. Um, you know, this was in the Ren and Stimpy, or this was after Ren and Stimpy. If it premiered it, after Ren and Stimpy. I was about to say, if it was ever battling Ren and Stimpy, that would have been the main the main well, argument back in the day, because Ren and Stimpy, even as a kid, yeah. My, that show was just so obviously grotesque and nasty. Well, and I think one of the things that separates this show, um, well, Ren and Stimpy is iconic. Whether you, you know, whether you like it or you hate it, you still remember it. Like if I yeah. start singing, "What rolls downstairs, a loader in pairs rolls over your neighbor's dog," right. everybody knows the log, log, log song. Right. Rocco, I think. <laughs> For better or for worse, and I, I know at the time it was pretty consistently compared to Ren and Stimpy, and a lot of people I think unfairly judged it because they said, "Well, it's um, it's like Ren and Stimpy, but it's not as you know, it's not edgy. as racy. It's not yeah." But the fact is, it was still a show on Nickelodeon. It is, know? and one of the things that I think unconsciously invites that comparison is the quality of animation. Because one of the things that people will tell you with cartoon shows in particular is sometimes the animation itself, without knowing the content, without getting to know the characters, they can be put off by the animation purely. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And no Ren doubt. and Stimpy's very, it's on a very similar level to Rocco as far as the animation purposes, especially when it comes to, 
you know, gross things happening. Like, yeah, I think Ren and Stimpy has a lot more. Um, I don't want to say stylized, but there was a lot more. You know, Ren and Stimpy. You, you know, you had the the consistent use of a still image. You know, a frame that would that would be a frozen frame right. with a lot of detail in it. But Rocco wasn't. That wasn't the point of it. Rocco was supposed to be a show that was a much more mainstream show that was a cartoon that would also appeal to adults. Right. And frankly, what's the easiest way to make a cartoon appeal to adults? Is to make sure that the children want to watch it. Right. But And part of it, too, is that you can really tell the difference between some adult cartoons like Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, Angry Beavers, like stuff like that. My measure of how adult it is versus how non-adult it is is whether or not you remember it for the stories or whether you remember it for the humor. Because with Family Guy, you don't need to know what's happening in the plot. The plot is completely irrelevant. It's all about... You know, cut to this bit, cut to that bit. Lois says something, Peter says something. Then you cut, cut, cut all over the place. It's just mania. Yeah. Whereas with Rocco's Modern Life, I remember specific storylines. Like, this isn't an episode we're discussing right now, but they did uh, a spoof on the Alfred Hitchcock movie Rear Window where yeah. Rocco broke one of his legs and so he was in a wheelchair and so his sole entertainment was happening through his bedroom window. Right. And he thought Mr. Big Head or Mrs. Big Head, one of the big heads murdered the other big heads. So I remember that for the story, but I don't remember any of the jokes from it. Right. Like I had to specifically go back as an adult and look at these episodes and say, oh, okay, that was a wildly inappropriate joke or, oh, that was a pun that would have gone over my head when I right. was seven or whatever it was. Well, the whole concept of an episode based on Rear Window, I mean, I don't, I don't think there were too many kids who would have picked up on that, but most, especially in the early 90s, I think most grown-ups would have immediately recognized, oh, it's they're doing a Rear Window episode. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, I didn't value it for the fact that it was a Hitchcock knockoff mm, back in the day. I, d- I had no idea, but I did specifically remember that story. Then going back as an adult and watching it, I was like, oh, that's clearly a rear window. That's exactly yeah. what's happening. Yeah. But you just don't realize that when you're a kid. And just even some of the knockoff jokes that they have that are simpler. As an adult, you pick up on them right away. But as a child, it just floats right over your head because you're distracted by the mania, the physical content where they're punching each other or heifer rolls down a hill or whatever's happening you're just focused on kind of the bright colors and animation as a kid and you yeah. remember the stories more so than the actual jokes yeah and then you know the cow falls down and goes boom you know yeah and that yeah and that's funny because it's funny but you know again it serves the purpose of you know if mom or dad has to sit there with you or has to listen to this crap there might as well day. be some sort of right. benefit yeah. for them i mean as a parent I, to this day, my son is, is, thank God, he is past the age of, of wanting to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> to this day. Oh, you don't I, like the wholesome entertainment? No, it's not that. It's not <laughs> that. I, 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 I love wholesome entertainment. I, I have no problem with that. But that level of inane, just here, here's a block the block goes on top of another block. This is a color red thing, you know. Right. That level Einstein just, level videotapes oh my for God. children. <laughs> if I if I hear the uh the the Mickey Mouse theme song, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song, I want to vomit. <laughs> I, and I'm not making that up. I physically feel like throwing up, you know, uh, because when my kid was was young, thousands of times all he wanted to watch over and over and there was nothing about it that would ever make me want to sit and watch it with him you know but then all of a sudden he you know you know that there's this whole other world of shows that are yes they're for kids but they know that mom and dad has got to sit through this crap also right and and i i think there's a debt of gratitude that that is owed to shows like this Oh, absolutely. You know, for for establishing the whole idea that, hey, cartoons can be fun for grownups, too. Well, and going back to the whole Ren and Stimpy argument where people were trying to compare Rocco's Modern Life to Ren and Stimpy, another measurement of just how adult or non-adult the content is. Like I said, you know, most children remember the stories behind it as opposed to the adult humor. But then it's all about subtlety. Yeah. For instance, Rocco's Modern Life was subtle enough that I didn't realize yeah. that the show was being gross sometimes. Yeah. With Ren and Stimpy, it was 
painfully obvious from the first time I ever watched it in my yeah. single digits. Like, Agreed. And, and actually, in in that respect, I think it's a superior show, in my opinion, because the, having the the jokes that are hidden in the background sort of weaved in there. Yeah, it's like you, an ornate tapestry as opposed yeah. to just this crude it's obscene not a fart joke. foghorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, and, and that, I think, is, is sort of the... It begs the question, is something like Ren and Stimpy so iconic and memorable only because it's memorable? Because it just had a lot of gross, squishy fart jokes. It's just unforgettable because of how grotesque it was at times. Like, I remember I I didn't get in trouble, but it was one of those moments where I didn't realize what I was singing. Because they had all those fake jingles on Ren and Stimpy, like the log song, but they also had a song about varicose veins. And I was singing that song when I was about seven years old and I was just out like at the mall or somewhere in public with my mom. And she was like, no, 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 you can't sing that in public. Right. That's, that's not acceptable. Don't right. do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was singing as a child. but Which, of course, immediately makes you just want to know, well, wait a minute. <laughs> well, what, what are varicose <laughs> things? What, what is that? Because they clearly show it, too. I, I do clearly remember them doing that fake advert on the Ren and Stimpy show, but I, it just never occurred to me that it was a bad thing or something inappropriate no, no. that you shouldn't discuss in public. So I guess bringing it all back around, the the fundamental question that I think has to be asked anytime you look back on a show, uh, a movie, anything from your childhood, um, does it hold up? And that doesn't mean, am I going to sit and watch it again like I watched it when I was a kid? That's not that's not the threshold, because nothing's going to make that. No, because as an adult, too, you have a certain intolerance, like what you were saying yeah. with Mickey Mouse. Where, And I do remember as a kid, I was watching Hey Arnold back to back to back, and eventually my mom was like, okay, enough, we've got to switch it to something <laughs> oh else. God. Because just yeah. the repetitive nature of it, just as yeah. an adult, will drive you crazy. I, I mean, I, I subjected my parents to Hey Dude. Oh goodness! No one, hey, rem- no one remembers. Hey, dude! <laughs> oh, it you was, know. it was the less popular. Uh, what was it called? The Camp Onawana show. Yeah, it was. It was the. I can't remember what that show was tween, called though. Tween. It was like kind of the first tween drama, uh, soap opera on a ranch on of a all ranch. places. Yeah. You know, um, but I guess the, you know when you say does it hold up? I mean. Okay, if I go back and I watch, and I did this a few years ago, I watched an episode of ALF. ALF, when I was a kid, was like my favorite show. Sure. It, it made me laugh until I hurt myself. In case you didn't know that Jason was almost 40. Yeah, yes. ALF was definitely his favorite yes. show growing up. Watching it again, it is so awful. It is so terrible. It's and just campy funny. enough. <laughs> it's just, I, I, I can't handle this, man. You know, I... um, But... On the flip side, um, if you watch something like uh, what's a, what's a show that holds up, um, a kid show or just any show, anything from that era, you know, any, anything from a long time ago that that you watch today and you go, yeah, this is still. Uh, uh it's probably there are probably really obvious references kids here, in the but hall. I would say. Oh, Kids in the Hall from... Okay, if we're talking ALF era, that was a little before my time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, if, if I'm talking my time, like even just regular comedies for adults, I would say Seinfeld holds up, obviously. Oh, yeah. Seinfeld is... Yeah. Friends, despite the fact that it got a little a little loopy in the later years, like the characters became a little too caricaturous of themselves. Yeah. Uh, it, it did go a little off the rails as far as that, but I think Friends holds up as specifically the early seasons when they're talking about the stuff that they're going through relationships and all that, it's still very universally accepted. Like yeah. you have kids these days, honestly, cause uh, I think her name is uh, Bo Derek, the supermodel, oh, yeah, the Australian yeah. supermodel. Yeah. She, uh, she dated Joey in one of the later seasons and uh, she didn't realize, I read an article. She didn't realize how popular friends was in America and it's, she didn't know what a big deal it was. And to this day, because uh, actually I, re- I saw another article today. It was 23 years ago today that Ross and Rachel had their first kiss Aww. on Friends. Oh, cue the obligatory see, I, I, yeah, see, I, cute I, moment. I, I was the guy just going, when does Seinfeld come on? <laughs> I'll sit through this, but you know. But uh, Although I did have a crush on Courtney Cox. Uh, who didn't? Big, big, Every boy I, loved not a Courtney Jennifer Cox. Aniston. You know, most of my friends were Jennifer Aniston. See, what I want to hear, I want to know who the Lisa Kudrow fans were. I want I want to know the guys who were in love with Lisa Kudrow. I, I, 
um, uh, they were there. They oh were, no, they, I'm they sure she. I'm sure she was one of those like, yeah. I mean, if the opportunity struck, but she wasn't well, the main uh, heartthrob for will, a lot of I guys. I will tell you. I will tell you this as a you know a teen ish. Was I in my twenties when that show went off the air? I don't remember. I would have been in about middle school, so yeah, yeah that's about yeah. right. Um, Lisa Kudrow was not. She was number three of three. Well, for sure. Me. I but, think that's the case. But as a man of almost 40, if I watch that show, <laughs> the only one that I wouldn't murder would be Lisa Kudrow. Interesting. Yeah. See, that's why uh, I always, it's funny how your perspective on those kind of shows changes. Oh, totally. For me, Ross has always been three of three and actually negative like 20 of three because I was never a big fan of Ross. He was always so whiny and terrible. I always thought Chandler oh, God, was the no. cutest. Uh, and Joey was just kind of dumb, and I, I couldn't get over that, yeah, even I though would, he was I pretty. Be, yeah, I, I would be... Yeah, I would I would agree with that lineup. Yeah, I'd go yeah. Chandler, Joey, Ross. Oh, yeah, I did, Ross only I did if, Chandler before any of the rest Ross of Ross only in a deserted island situation where I have to, like, help him repopulate the Earth, and even then, I'd, I'd have my hesitation about it. <laughs> Me too, but I'd be skeptical if he proposed that. <laughs> I don't... I don't think that would work, but you know, but no, um, how the hell did we, so it holds up. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 well, that's it's, the point is that it does hold up as a show, but I, uh, it's your perspective changes on it. Just like it does with a show like Rocco's modern life, because you yeah. come to appreciate uh, Cause I was allowed to watch friends when I was probably too young to be watching friends as well. Yeah. Friends. I mean, it was, I mean, friends was, it had its share of controversy, controversy, not that much. Really, oh yeah. Like going back to clerks, the animated series, they all yeah. friends also had, um, a cookbook where the pages were stuck together. And Joey was like Chandler thinking that Chandler was at fault for that. And it's just like the stuff that they got away with on primetime television is amazing to me. Hey, go back and watch the golden girls. Oh Lord. That show's filthy. That I, <laughs> it's, it's old women being. B. Arthur is the most savage person. Yeah. In all of history. Well, B. Arthur, she is legitimately or was legitimately not just a really, really good actress. Mm. Like she was one of those classic, show business no nonsense like i did this my entire life i came up in theater very very serious actress. i know what i'm doing i was in the star wars christmas special (laughs) which so so you 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 know listen um i i would propose a scale oh god from it doesn't hold up at all to um uh, to it absolutely holds up today you know uh, and i'm a big fan of this i do this scale thing but you know i i uh, i like to do impressions mm-hmm. and i have a scale for how easy it is to do an impression of someone versus how hard it is which is bill clinton is all the way on the easiest side because everyone on the planet can do a bill clinton impression yeah kind of the matthew mcconaughey bill clinton sort of country voice yeah so bill, clinton's on, bill clinton's on one side and um, Christopher Walken is on the other. Oh, I've got you on Christopher because Walken. It, but it, you have to admit, it's like tough. It's very specific. Like that's the thing with impressions is that it's very yeah. specifically about cadence. It's not always yeah. necessarily about hitting the exact pitch. It's, it's very a much about thing. Yeah, yeah. It's very much about which is that's why I tried to have Jay Moore nominated for a, a Nobel Peace Prize because of his ability to impersonate Christopher Walken. The man can really do yeah. a great Christopher Walken. If you haven't YouTubed that, you should. So as there is in my world, which is a colorful, sparkly place, um, the Clinton Walken scale for impressionable ability. That's the official trademark name, people. No yeah, copying. That's mine. I invented that. <laughs> I think that we need to, and, and our audience can help us with this, you know, Absolutely. like, you know, I, I would say sort of tentatively the ALF news radio scale for does it hold up? I don't think news radio is going to register with a lot of our listeners. So we might want to find something a little more in, relatable. I don't live in this world. That's the greatest show ever. I'm not saying it isn't, but it's also a very select group of people who know, even know what news radio is. So um let's say the alf to seinfeld scale yeah that you know you're absolutely much right. more relatable no, you're I totally feel. right yeah seinfeld in 2000 years when we've evolved past having feet 
And they've had still... to choose one single comedy to bring with them into yes. the future. Yeah. Seinfeld will be all their food will be taken in pill form. <laughs> It'll but... be a very Rick and Morty universe. <laughs> they will still watch. Seinfeld. So much has changed, but so much has stayed the same. <laughs> yeah, the only words in the language will be you know sponge worthy and you know and uh, uh, what's the cat say on Rick and Morty all the time? Oh, squanch, squanchy. Yeah, <laughs> when everything's squanchy and all food is in pill form. <laughs> Exactly. And you just say whatever's in your squanch. Okay, so, you know, I, I think tentatively we could say the Alf Seinfeld scale. Absolutely. That's yeah. our that's our official scale, trademarked. Yeah. So, Done. on that scale, where would you put Rocco's Modern Life? Um, is there a midpoint on this scale? That's what I have to ask because... This might like, actually be the midpoint. Um, that's what I'm asking yeah. because it, it might be smack in the middle because I appreciate it as an adult and it stands up, but for the reason that I don't appreciate right. it the same way yeah. that I used to. Absolutely. I think you're right because like Seinfeld, I would go out of my way to watch Seinfeld today. Same. Like I, I yeah. watch it on Hulu still. And the thing is yeah. Seinfeld was a complete flip flop for me, but in a very different way. For instance, when I was a kid, when Seinfeld was on, I was too young to really appreciate that humor as well. Right. Yeah. But it was very obviously like dry adult humor. It was yeah. like when your mom runs into her best friend at the grocery store and they talk for an hour and you're just like, when is this going to be over? Because yes. when you're a young kid, that's what Seinfeld feels like. But then when you're an adult, because what I used to tell myself is I will never relate to Seinfeld. <laughs> I will never relate to Seinfeld because that means I'm a boring ass adult. That's what's and then, happened. And then all of a sudden. Bam. You were just like, I don't like people touching my soap either. And yeah. it's just, oh, man. It's just one square. I have a bubble of space. Do not <laughs> yeah. enter it. That's sort of a, a quote, unquote, no, adult mentality. the moops. Oh, God. The moops. And not the desire to not move. You you, you move basically when it's your very last resort. Like. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, you know, it helps that I have a, a very close friend who basically is Seinfeld. Oh, well. To, to the point of just it's ridiculous that'll make a big difference yeah. no but i i agree with you and i th i think there are shows like rocco which it's sort of like um i walk into the room or i'm, I'm at the car dealership oh, goodness. waiting on my car to get fixed yes and the tv is on and oh look they're playing rocco I'm not going to go through the effort to change the channel. I'll sit there and watch it. It's I'll one of the, yeah. If it comes and know. it's one of those things that comes on the TV, you're like, I should watch this for nostalgia's sake, if for no other reason. Right. right. It's not like a Wizard of Oz level thing where it's like, oh, I'm excited because this came on the TV. Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to put in Dark Side and get stoned. And <laughs> it'll be just like college again. I'm so nostalgic. Oh goodness. <laughs> but yeah, I would say honestly, Rocco is like a perfect midpoint between Alf. And Seinfeld, because it yeah. does have the kitschiness of children's programming and the just the colors and the warped animation and the tackiness, the vivid colors that keep a child's yeah. attention span. But then as an adult, you watch it and you're like, wow, this was a lot more subtle than I ever gave, gave it credit for because it, it does not present as a subtle show right. at all. Right. It's like it's like being on an acid trip with all the different colors and the chaos of the physical humor. It's crazy. Th this then is an... An historic or a historic? A historic. A historic. Unless I'm Cockney, it would be an historic. Yes. No, anyway. There's no that an just, in front of the H sorry, sound. That was the worst Cockney. The English major in me is raging right now. So, as an English major, would you support my thesis that the death penalty should be applied to anyone who doesn't use the Oxford comma? Yes, because you can take my Oxford comma when you pry it from my cold, dead, comma, and lifeless hands. Thank you. And if anybody out there doesn't use the Oxford comma, stop listening immediately. Stop, yeah, just go away because I don't get an education. Yeah, now. Um. So I think today's is a historic day because Beautiful. we we have established not only the boundaries of the did it hold up scale. Yes. But the midpoint, which usually just gets lost in a sea of gray, yeah. but we found it. There's Alf. There's Rocco. Yeah. Then there's, there's Seinfeld. Seinfeld. And, so, and this is what I do because uh, this, this will be the last thing I say before that because I know we're, we're, we're bumping up against uh, time here. But yep. Because every single thing, my theory is that everything that happens in our lives that is totally pointless can be quantified, scientifically quantified. I have actually quantified jealousy. So you're saying that everything happens for a reason? 
in a more simplistic way. Well, well, okay. Jealousy can be measured. I've come up with a unit. I call it the jelly. Well, yeah. What else are you going to call it, Jason? One jelly. Okay. What is, you know, because, you know, you do this with like, what is one degree? What is one meter? One, you know, science has all these standards. I think I'm already with you on this. Like one jelly is, oh, I love those shoes. Soup's Ah. jelly. (laughs) One jelly is the feeling you feel when at a restaurant with a friend and you are deciding between two entrees and after placing your order... Or your friend ordered the other thing. You want what they have. You look at that and you think, I (laughs) wish I would have gotten that. Yep. That is exactly one jelly. Okay. What's the maximum amount of jellies? Uh, uh, I see we're still scoping out this theory. I don't know that there is a theoretical limit. Okay. You know, it's not like speed of light where, you you know, you run into. What about, okay, we can go. David Beckham? Um, no, I would say like if you were going extreme, we would say if one jelly is the jealousy over a plate of food, then. The ultimate jelly is Othello. No. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're willing to murder your spouse over something. Oh, come on. That's not... <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> I mean, be fair. That's not that extreme. I'm not, I'm not suggesting it, mind you. I'm just saying that people do that. He thinks your fingers have been all over Cassio's keyboard. So, Tina Turner, we got a <laughs> private dance it out of here. <laughs> and on that spousally abusive note, um, thank you. Uh, those of you who are still listening, uh, thank you for listening to the premiere episode of Hindsight is, are we going to say horrible or horrifying? Horrifying, I think. Horrifying. Hindsight is horrifying, where we look back at some of the fondest memories of your youth and correctly uh, change your perspective and actually let you understand that they were quite dreadful and terrible and you should feel bad. So goodbye to Australia and goodbye to whoever. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> we we apologize, but we know you're not listening anymore anyway. Ah, uh, they're they're good sports. They'll yeah. just they'll sh- they'll show up, punch one of us in the face, and then it all will be forgiven. Well, I mean, they should like us just right out of the starting gate because they have a song about tying your wallaby down, and we're doing a show about a wallaby. So yeah, see? hey, we're we're very international in our entertainment. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, <laughs> listeners, thanks for joining us. Listen next time on Hindsight is Horrifying. Bye.